my name is Gina Smith. I'm a speech language pathologist with Hubbard and Tennyson Speech Consultants. And I am Sydney Morgan. I am also a speech pathologist with Hubbard and Tennyson Speech Consultants. However, I am a clinical fellow trying to get my three C's. Okay, awesome, Sydney. Well, I'm coming to you all with, oh, let's see, 37 years of experience. I've lost count. <laughs> um, I retired from Orleans Parish School System and with uh, 33 plus years, but I've also been working with Hubbard and Tennyson Speech Consultants for 15 years. So, Miss Sydney, May is better hearing in speech mode. Sure so is. what we want to do today is just maybe kind of talk a little bit about speech language pathology and the things that we actually do as speech pathologists, either in the school settings or the preschool settings or in the home setting as early interventionists, which uh, comes under the early steps umbrella. So would you like to maybe talk to let our audience know exactly what is Early Steps. Sure. So Early Steps is a, correct me if I'm wrong, government-run program that gives uh, children between the ages of birth to three years old the opportunity to receive speech and language services as well as occupational services and PT services um, to get your child where you want your child to be as far as speech and language goes, communicating wants and needs, or even being able to hold a spoon or being able to not fall over when you're running around like a three-year-old does. And um, like it's called early intervention because it does happen before the child attends a normal traditional preschool setting, which is at the age of three. We either provide services in the home with the parents and the children, or we provide them in a preschool setting or in a daycare, um, you know, if the parents have to work. So it's basically up to the parents if mm-hmm. they want to be there, if they want to schedule. And it also kind of depends on the schedule of the therapist. You know, sometimes parents may get off at four or five o'clock and they want, you know, services at maybe five, six o'clock or they want them mm-hmm. on Saturday. So that's kind of going to depend on, you know, the therapist availability. Yeah. But we do try to accommodate the parents as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just kind of talk a little bit about how do parents find out about early steps and how do the children qualify for early steps? It actually comes from the pediatrician. Normally, you know, a pediatrician will see that, um, you know, when they're doing the screenings with the kids for their you know, monthly, quarterly, yearly uh, birthdays Mm -hmm. that they will, you know, there's a checklist and there's a communication checklist, a developmental checklist that they will go through. And some of them, you know, they, if the child is not talking or communicating at a certain age, receptively and or expressively, they will recommend that the parent contacts early steps. Right. Sometimes like it'll come from us as a speech therapist because we work in the community so much, you know, we're around a lot of parents, we're around a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if a child is in a school setting and the teacher recognizes it and the child, you know, they go through that process and they get an IP, you know, the mother may come with a younger child either to a meeting or at a school function. And, you know, we would notice that, oh, the child is not really communicating on the level that we think they should be at the time. So the therapist, we can, 
suggest or recommend to the parent that they call early steps. We can also say, oh, you know, let your doctor check them, you know, the next time you go, you know, if you want a professional or medical professional opinion. Yeah. But, you know, we can say, you know, in my opinion, you know, it won't hurt. You can get a screening, um, you know, you either say yes or no, and they'll either pass or fail. So it's not, you know, not anything. They'll come to the home and they'll do the screenings and, you know, they'll see what the children qualify for after that. Mm-hmm. So recommendations can come from a therapist that may observe a child or it comes from a pediatrician. I think it's good to include the pediatrician and all of the healthcare providers involved with your child because then it instills more of a team-based approach. And I think this is something that all disciplines in early intervention can improve on as far as communicating with the other disciplines that the child works with. Um, because the more communication there is with, between the parent and all of the providers for the child, the best, the better the outcomes for the child. The pediatrician has been seeing the child since birth. So they kind of have seen, you know, their progress, their milestones to know if their progression has been a little delayed, you know, and I want the mother to get, um, you know, a little anxious about the child not doing certain things, you know, they may say, oh, you know, give them another couple of months. And if not, then I would, you know, suggest to go ahead and do it. So we, we don't know the child's previous history. So all we can do is just, you know, like suggest and recommend, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of parents do kind of rely on us for guidance and suggestions. And so I always tell my parents, you know, if, you know, when you call early steps, or if you have a specific question, when you talk to the doctor, you know, please feel free to call me while you're there. I have no problem, you know, and I can kind of guide you through the questions that you need to ask. Yeah. And I think if there are any parents listening to this podcast, I think um, my biggest advice would be don't hesitate to advocate for yourself and for your child. If you have a question, there there really are no bad questions. It's your child. Don't be afraid to ask how, what, who, what, when, and where all the questions you can ask in order to better your child's communication skills or whatever it is your child needs. And and for the early steps program or the early intervention program, it's not only speech communication, it's also right. hearing, it's mm-hmm. also feeding. Um, you know, if your child is having trouble, you know, chewing or swallowing uh, hard or soft foods or drinking, right. You know, or even a behavioral feeding client. If your kid only eats one brand of chicken nuggets, I've seen that. And it's the real thing. You know, it's it's funny because like, what what do you mean you only like one brand of chicken nuggets? And so that's something that we can work on as well. Just getting them familiar with the different textures of things. I like to explore things with my hands. You know, the most, the better we can do with involving tactile stimulation. So tactile meaning touch. The more we can involve touch in therapy, it uh, puts in another sense, right? So not only are we hearing what we're trying to say, we're also feeling it. Um, That's an extra step to instill the vocabulary in daily life and generalizing it into different settings. Because it's all about the natural environment as well. So the natural environment for one kid is going to be different for another kid. And that's the flexibility of early steps, which I like, you know, because you're never going to meet the same kid in the same situation. Some kids will listen and participate and adapt more in a structured setting at a school that they're used to before they do it at home. Because, you know, mom's there, dad's there, grandparents are there, siblings are there, TV's on. It can get loud and distracting. 
a lot of, you know, distractions. And I mean, you know, sometimes it's not that it's good, but when you in when you see them in a home environment, you can see if they're communicating with other members of the family. Like if they see the brother walk through the room, will they call the name? If they see the daddy walk through the room, will they call the name? You know, right. we don't know that if we're working with them at school. But so there, you know, there are pros and cons and mm-hmm. positives and negatives into working in every situation where, you know, we just adapt to whatever it is. And if the brother or sister does come in and mama's like, oh, come back, you know, I just kind of like, oh, no, no, they're fine. Let's, you know, we'll give them two minutes, you know, we can see how they interact. And, you know, the sister may be able to like, you know, whatever we're doing, if it's an iPad activity or a story or blocks of colors, where when we leave, you know, the sister can say, oh, well, come on, let's let's do what you were doing, Miss Gina, you know, show me mm-hmm. real. Let's see you know, what were you doing, Miss Sydney? What color is this? Oh, let's read your book. You know, it, it just kind of incorporate the whole family if you're in that situation. Or if not, you know, you kind of just get with the teacher to see what they're doing in the school setting. And that kind of leads us into another point, which is uh, parent coaching, right? So we have strategies that we use to, we have ways of making your child talk, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I have and a shirt that said that. Oh, you do? I love that. I'm going to see if I still have it. Speech therapists, we have ways of making you talk. We sure do. And it's one thing for me to know this, but I'm not your child's mama. I only come once a week for 60 minutes, right? So my main goal is to make sure that I can let you know as a parent what I know. It's best if the strategies are being used throughout all of the natural environments of the child carried out, carried over mm-hmm. you know, into the natural environment. And my favorite one of these strategies, which is the easiest in my opinion, is, well, I say it's the easiest, it did take practice, is modeling at the child's yeah. level. So let's say we're early interventionists. Okay, so let's say we've got a two-year-old who is only sometimes saying one word. Well, if that's the case, then... I'm going to want to model during play or during whatever the child likes to do. You know, maybe your child likes to play with toys. Maybe your child likes to run around the house nonstop. Whatever the child's doing, you should do it too, at least for a certain amount of time. And just model, again, this child in my example has, speaks at one word utterances, right? So then I would run around modeling one word utterances, doing whatever the child does. We're putting language into the child's natural environment. And that's important to stress because, you know, speech therapists, we love to come up with all of these creative different activities, which are great and wonderful. But if these activities aren't being consistently used in the home, then they're not the best for building language whenever we're gone. So, um, that's my take on modeling and my side note on generalization. Okay, awesome. Well, we would like to thank everyone who listened in to our podcast today. We hope that we were able to answer some of your questions. Our next podcast will be about something that's very close to related to the uh, pandemic that we're going through, which is teletherapy services. Mm-hmm. And our lovely therapist, Sydney, has been doing a lot of teletherapy services with school, high school kids, elementary to middle school kids, and she's also doing it with the preschool. So she will let us know how that's going and how the parents and the kids are 
reacting and interacting um, with this. Teletherapy is not new, but it's new to our kids during this time because they're used to seeing their therapist face to face, you know, in either one on one or group setting. And now mm-hmm. everything is being done virtually. Yeah. So once again, uh, we thank you for listening and we hope that you will tune in for our next podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, Miss Gina. Thank you, Miss Sydney. Thank you all. <laughs>